you don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. Awesome. Okay. Welcome back. Oh, I just said that. You did. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcasts on your preferred platform. I think I... Did I say podcasts? You did. Just one. There's do, just the one podcast. Do we have more podcasts coming? Yeah. Oh. No. Um, we have more segments of the podcast. Oh, that's cool. So it's exciting. It is literally snowing right now it here is. in Georgia. It is cra- here in Georgia. It is very Southern. Um, it's exciting. I miss... Uh, Makes me miss Colorado, which I, I never thought I'd think when I was in Colorado. Definitely. Um, but anyway, so yeah, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation, as we like to say here. We also like to welcome our all of our listeners from all the different countries. Um, people are listening from all over the world, Absolutely. it seems, according to the internet. Um, not just the internet, but you know that's where we get our information from, so... Uh, and also, we have uh, our 112th member of the Facebook group. It's pretty exciting stuff. Absolutely. So welcome our new members. Welcome. Welcome. You know, it's funny. Is growing up, I only had one member, and now I have 112. <laughs> okay. Too much? A little bit. All right. Sorry about that. That's It's the snow, right? It's the snow. Yeah. I mean, I can't help myself. Um, I wanted to say, and I'm trying to get to Facebook fast. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, here it is. Um, <laughs> here you take over real quick so I can find this damn thing. What are you What are you looking for? Perfect. That was excellent. Good. Perfect cover. Uh oh, because I I wanted to talk about um. So we covered all the business already. Sure. Kind of. Sure. And your website. What's your plug your website real quick? Well, it's Rochelle Chandler. Remember, it's going through puberty. Puberty. It's going for puberty. <laughs> Which is very <laughs> appropriate. So. Um, I mean, I'm reachable there, but it's it's being transformed as Look we speak. you getting close to the microphone. Well, I have to. That's perfect. I've been listening back, and there are some episodes where I'm like, oh my gosh, Rochelle, you don't gotta move away. you got to get on this microphone like it's a prom date. You're funny. I, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, I posted, I posted a, a poll. Uh, which I was very pleased to see you do. Thank, Thank you, you for doing that. Yeah, sure. On, on the um, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And for everyone that doesn't have a... Membership, membership is free as of right now. Soon it will be no, it, it'll, it'll always, always be free. Be free. Okay, fine. But um, for everyone that's on not Facebook. on the Facebook group, that's right. For everyone, because there could be people that aren't on Facebook. Right. Absolutely. Never thought of that. What a weird thing. Who are you people? Call us now. One eight hundred. No. Okay. Sorry. Stupid. Hey everyone. I wanted to see which topics felt most relevant to your experience and that you'd like to hear us cover more in a future episode. Feel free to add additional ideas and I'm just going to run through the topics real quick because they are things that I think that we do cover but I just wanted to see and by a landslide vote of four thank you so much all 112 of you for participating (laughs) (laughs) by a landslide of slide of four uh, autism spectrum disorder wins wins it as far as like what people would like to hear us talk about more uh just under four which would be the number three uh was adhd um and then below that at two votes uh resources for information about asd adhd anxiety depression etc and not to uh what's the board i'm looking for the intelligent word i was thinking of prejudice against those who are neurodivergent. I was, th- and the reason that, and then also depression, anxiety, and dyslexia, which got no votes. That's okay. I think the prominent topics are so no right one cares now. that I'm depressed or anxious or that you have dyslexia. I don't think that's what that means at so all. So let's not talk about those things no, anymore. No, I don't think that's what that means. But but I do appreciate that um, there is a, a hunger for more information about autism disorder. And just as much as there is a hunger, there's just as many people working to discover and kind of piece together the information. So I'm I'm pleased that we have chosen this 
platform as a way to do some of that work and make that information a little bit more readily accessible in a in a format that hopefully is fun and entertaining to listen to as well and relatable because the information is out there but it's so fragmented it's like bits and pieces here and there and then you know depending on the viewpoints of the group things we're like your computer's defragmentation program kind of yeah yeah we take all that information and we funnel it through this little pipe which I was going to make a butthole reference, but I mean, that would be inappropriate. So I will not do that because I am, I'm better than that. Yes, you are better than that. <laughs> you are. You are. And I actually, you know, I still believe that um, neurodiversity is not, I know it's labeled as disability because it's being compared to what is considered neurotypical. I understand the lingo. Um, I don't subscribe to that lingo. I actually believe, and I, I know I'm not alone here in the conversations I have with families and parents, that neurodiversity is the evolutionary next step um, in in human neurological uh, advancement. Just because, and it, but to, I have to say that with respect to the fact that the biological components of neurodiversity do require uh, more tender love and, and care. You know, like there's just, there's other parts to be considered, I think, but from a heart perspective and from a neurological perspective, um, taking away the developmental milestone of what is typical, I believe that it, there's actually a significant amount of advantages um, that often hide in plain sight um, with a neurodivergent population. And so I, my hope and prayer is that we continue to illuminate those. So one, not only are we bringing information to you in a more compact and, and um consistent way but that we're also presenting it with the attitude of seeing it as a positive managing the things that can feel like roadblocks and biologically there are a number of those but but they're biological which means they can be um, supported and really allowing the beauty of the way that your mind works differently than others to shine Beautifully unbroken, I'd like to say. I actually think that's fair. See that? I get really. Um, I've been I was looking. Being ironic, but um, but it's true. I don't think it's. I, I don't pick, think you're broken. I, no, I no. don't think I'm. I don't think I'm broken. Um, I don't know. My, I was gonna say, am I allowed to? Of course I am. I'm, I'm half the show. <laughs> Sometimes more than half. <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say, I just it, it, this made me think of the the puzzle piece. I was trying to explain to someone the puzzle piece. Oh, the... the There's a controversy. Right. Uh, or as the Brits say... You're talking say, about the logo? Con- controversy. Oh, the logo. The puzzle piece has yeah, a logo, piece like as a, a, a symbol? A representation. Yeah, like autism. someone in our, in our little complex has a puzzle piece bumper sticker yeah. that says, I love, I heart someone with autism. Right. And I just want to put like a bumper sticker below that that's like... But don't respect them because I'm using the puzzle piece. Because some people really, and I and I don't have one feeling about it one way or the other, honestly. Right. Because when I first, the reason I'm bringing this up is when I first even heard of the puzzle piece as a concept for autism, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I get it. It's like, not that like there's a piece of you missing that I think a lot of people rep- like think like, oh, I'm autistic. This puzzle, there's a puzzle piece. There's something missing. Isn't that, do you think I that's think what that that's think? been a very unfair. How do I say this? Like, I do think that that. Because I want to get to my point before you make it for me. Oh, <laughs> fair point. I'll be quiet. Please go. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. Unless, unless I thought you were going to no, say no, something. I might like have. Really I might have pithy. All you're of right. I I have that talent. Go ahead. Um, no, because what I think is that the puzzle piece is like, oh, I've been diagnosed, or oh, because not everyone's been diagnosed. I had the realization that I might be autistic or that I think I'm autistic. And that's the puzzle piece. And it, that's the the little, like, light turns on. Right. Do we know what the actual symbolism, like, is there, has, has, is it Autism Speaks that, who created the puzzle piece? Okay. As a, let's see. let's see if I can, as a brand can I or, Google this fast enough for it to be apparently part of the show? Uh... Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, this is well according to autism-society.org. The autism awareness ribbon, the puzzle pattern reflects the complexity of the autism spectrum. The different colors and shapes represent the diversity of the people and families living with the condition. 
So that didn't help. There's too many things to read. Well, and it's all so. But isn't that maybe? But okay, so there you go. It's not what I thought, but see, I think when you look at it through the light of where I put it, right? It sounds kind of nice. But it sounds <clears> to <throat> me like, and we have no way of knowing whether this explanation is a neurotypical explanation. Michelle, it's at the top of Google. It's got to be right. Oh, sorry, page one. <laughs> sorry, page one. No, but my point is that. One of the things that's really challenging about where information is right now, 2022, is that we don't always have the benefit of knowing when these decisions were made and from what perspective they were made. And you're sitting there going, why does that matter? Well, it matters because we're in a very fast changing society right now. And the world used to change at a particular rate 50, 60 years ago. You had one career, you had one marriage, you know, you just didn't change all that fast. You had one telephone company, you know, you probably only had two or three cars in your one lifetime. One marriage. Yeah. Okay. But now the average is like... 10 marriages. Eight careers in your lifetime. It's like nine cars, 2.3 marriages. Like And a partridge in a pear tree. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> My point is that... The, the rate of change in 2022 is exponentially higher than it was in the past. And so one of the things that's challenging is when we look at everything online and, and we're trying to compare and contrast information, even definitions of different words at this point, we don't necessarily have the benefit of seeing all that from an evolutionary timeline standpoint. So it's very easy to incorrectly look at something and read it and evaluate it against what we know right now and not realize that the perspective was written five, 10 years ago before we knew XYZ information. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I liked about right now, when you looked at the puzzle piece, you were able to tell- Give it a positive spin. Well, you were able to look at it right now and assess the, positive, the puzzle piece from how you're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And many people have assigned their feelings about the puzzle piece based on past information. Right. Now- that's fine. Historically, we've done that many, many, many times. But I just want to caution all of us going forward that the rate of change is going to continue to speed up, which means that we have the right to and the obligation to continue to reevaluate information from new perspectives and make new decisions because things are really going to change that fast, including our understanding of, a, of autism. And a lot of it is because folks like you who are brave and vulnerable and willing I'm to so share brave. your opinions yes, um, and articulate that, you know, is it's not very common, but I'm very grateful that you're contributing to putting your perspective out there so that people can continue to evolve at their own pace. That's all I'm saying. You sound like you're getting choked up. Is it your tea? It's my tea. I'm not choked up. No, I just need to drink. Okay, good. <laughs> it's all this snow. <laughs> all right. But I think you make a very valid point. Um, I do. I agree. Because, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting when, because you were diagnosed with autism as an adult, I was. And for many of our listeners finding us right now, they're also being diagnosed as an adult. Yep. However, four or five years ago, I don't think the community predicted they were going to be diagnosing as many adults as possible as they are right now. I think that they thought the trends were going to continue towards children. Has anyone ever told you that you might be autistic? is the thing that sticks in my brain as far as the process. I mean, I remember the, the chill in the air when, when our therapist said that to you. I didn't think you were in the room. She said, it to, she said it to me individually, and she asked me how I thought you would react, and then she said it to you individually, and then she brought us back together and said it to both of us. Oh. You were in a lot of shock in that moment, so I... She asked the same question three times? Uh-huh. I don't remember that. But you weren't in the room when she said it to me individually. Okay, well, I don't remember her asking me twice. She was more of announcing it the third time. Cool. Anyway, my point being that that is the puzzle piece moment for me. 
That's I agree. I agree. Right. I agree. Be like, oh, no, because, and I'm going to use the word. Okay. And I'm going to get in trouble. But um, growing up, I always thought. Well, I'm not going to say the word, but I always associated. So I I I know where you're going with this, and I almost flatulence. Okay, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> no, go ahead. Tell me what you're going to say. Complete my sentence and my thought for me. So, I think I know where you're headed. Threw you off, didn't I? No, I think I know where you're headed with this. And I almost want to say that I think we should talk about it. Because what you're referring to is very, very... Uh, how do I say it? Like, it was part of the culture just 30 years ago to consider autism within a realm of you know being disab- being the r word right That's, it was so misunderstood but not just that but also it's like you're on like one side of a line and not to be like sh- shitty about it even because i never stood on that side of the line like let's say that i found out that i was like my dad was black or something okay you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like all of a sudden it's not like all of a sudden i'm like ooh i've been racist this whole time it's more just like holy shit like I have a completely different perspective now, right? Because I thought one thing, and now I think something different. Okay, so and I hold think, on. I just want to make sure that it doesn't sound racist. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. But but you're making a really strong point because, you know, because I love everybody. Yes, you do. You've always been very accepting. I mean, it's one of the things I like about you is that you don't you don't really draw lines between anything. Yeah, like you don't draw lines in culture or 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 race or gender or anything like you you definitely I offend everyone equally you well, yeah, you do but you don't see the world in like black and white well do i <laughs> conceptually you do but in terms of people you don't i like, don't really care you've always just looked at people as people and yes. you work to connect with people based on who they are as individuals not based on any other requirement you know but my whole before you get to your point i had there was another Go ahead, go ahead. I can point to that. So the reason that I mentioned the idea of color because it's something that it's like if someone all of a sudden told you like you are, like if someone told a black dude, "Hey, you're white," you'd be like, "What?" Well, the genetic testing. Not that you'd be mad. The twenty three. You'd just be like, "What?" Right. That's crazy. I had no. Everyone. It's like to me the the my dad thought we were German. My, my grandpa thought too. we were German, like yeah. because our last name is German. He's like, "Oh, you're fifty percent German, right?" And so when I found out that I'm maybe, you know, just like, a fraction, like, well, no, I mean, of of the things I am, I'm mostly Irish, right? But then below that, I'm German, and then below that, I'm like, um, like, like African and uh, Middle Eastern, right? Can you? Yeah, totally. Like those different. are the things that right. I'm like. I'm like me. But see, that's one of those things. I can't. We tan. have we have science now that can really dive into the details. And what happens for generations when we haven't had this kind of science is we just made assumptions based on the limited information we knew, and we passed that down from generation to generation. So, one of the things that is true to say, as I understand it, is that anytime something new developmentally um, shows up in a population, such as like autism, you have to remember. We're never going to find the middle of the group first. We're never going to find the high functioning. We're never going to find the people who, like the individuals who have mirrored and masked and kind of managed to fit in. You're going to find the edges. You're going to find the things that are the most sharply contrasted to what we believe to be typical. So that's why even when autism was originally um, when it re- originally started to come through the families, we didn't have diagnoses of autism until like 1947 or something. And you even have family members that are probably autistic that were misdiagnosed as schizophrenic and um, because that what we didn't have the classifications back then. So right. not only did we only were we only able to see autism as it ex- as it, as at its extreme, Go ahead and use that English language. <laughs> it's too many things. At its extreme representation. But we also didn't have the tools to appropriately understand it and therefore understand how to classify it. So there were like assumptions made about 
what that meant to be autistic. And unfortunately, because that was one of our first interactions, it became a frame of reference. Now we know today, 2022, that frame of reference is completely erroneous, but it takes time to dive into and really understand and, and look at all the different parameters that go into something so we can start to identify it. And that's why over the last um, five, maybe eight years, based on um, what I'm finding out there, we're just now really starting to, to wrap our arms around um, the entire generation, your generation, and, and I think one to two generations before you of um, autistic individuals that were completely missed completely missed because one unless you were at that far end of the extreme your social and emotional reciprocity was not as obvious I mean we were going through um the great depression and then we went through world war ii and it's like everyone you know there's a there was a reason in the united states there's reason in other countries as well you know globally there was a reason why we were all on edge there was a reason why anxiety and depression were prevalent you know, and it wasn't because we were looking for autism is because World War Two was going on and the Great Depression. And that was where everyone was depressed. Right. <laughs> at least in at least in the United States. Yeah. But other countries have, you know, many different things happening in their culture on a cyclical thing on a cyclical basis, too. And there's, you know, a lot of different wars being fought in different areas. And that creates that same amount of um, fight or flight. I'm just reminded of a really stupid joke. OK. <laughs> it's not funny at all. OK. Declan let me watch Big Fish. What? Yeah. He let you watch And Big watched Fish? it with me. No way. Yeah. Because I was like Did you bribe him with popcorn? I just said Big Fish and he was like Big Fish. Well, you used words he likes. So, yeah, Big and Fish. And so we're sitting there watching the movie and there's a scene where Danny DeVito says um something about a man being sat on. Okay. By an elephant. Okay. And he said he was depressed. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you just made me think of that really bad joke. Oh, thanks. From the movie. That's that tangential quality of your of your brain. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, anyways, I just um I'm excited to see how things continue to evolve and I'm also excited to see how much more integrated our understandings can be because the more we can um raise awareness just also for ourselves, you know, one of the things that I I think I watch the most of is self-esteem and how you treat yourself so you mentioned that when you looked at the puzzle piece you felt this light bulb moment like <gasps> that explains why I've lived life a certain way and it never really felt like I was in sync with myself like I was always you were always kind of fighting yourself to get into that place of zen and now that you have this understanding that I'm so zen now <laughs> you you're much better call me Susan because <laughs> I'm in a transition oh okay you're on a roll I thank you Susan thanks get it because Sue isn't that like I is it isn't it Sue so yeah. soy in some language it's I don't know I thought it was Sue in some language I don't know well it is I now. don't know language I it don't know now. languages obviously <laughs> just keep going okay <laughs> Um, because you spent so many years as an adult, as a teenager, as a child, kind of feeling differently. Um, the one episode I really like to go back and listen to from time to time, um, is do you have a selective learning disorder? And that was your made up phrase for how to communicate your needs to your mom before you knew how to communicate it's, it differently. That's true. That's very true. So for people and who, so apropos, I think. For people who haven't listened to that episode, what is a selective learning disorder according to Young Blake? Uh ADHD basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, but an autism the idea too, but... being that I I would I just remember being in school and it was like, well, how come you're still good in this and this and this and then these other areas like I sucked at math and I'm still not a mathematician. I will say though that I was in the math like Olympics in like they selected random kids uh -huh. in like the, in in one year fifth grade fourth grade or something. What's wrong? Nothing. And I was in the math Olympics and I got like third place. What? Or fourth maybe fourth place. Were you young before math got super complex? No, I hated math. 
It was that I I fit, I found a way. I don't know. Like I remember going to like the event, and it was like a whole thing where we had to go around and do all these different huh. events. And did you have to show your work? Uh, yeah, you did. Oh, well, because I was gonna say, um, the doctor that diagnosed you with ADHD said it's not that you're bad at math; you're just bad at showing your work because you're very good at intuitive math. Yeah, but some math I'm not. I like I'm not. I, I like algebra. I took algebra like three times. Well, conceptual math is a whole different thing. Then like it seemed useless to me. So uninterested. Uninterested. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole point of selective learning disorder, right? Is the the idea being like, you know, it's like, oh, how come you're so good in like anything athletic? Right. I was like getting you know, like for me to get anything less than an A in P E would have been unheard of. Um some teachers reached me in a way that like i had mr donaldson i'll never forget mr donaldson because he would always tell jokes in class oh so he kept your interest um and we, well we would do cool ex- experiments and stuff like we made peanut brittle oh like and it was a summer school class i needed because uh, i needed to um or rather wanted to i guess get into school and knock a class out because i knew that i could take other things instead so mm-hmm. i was able to have an, another elective Oh, that's smart. And so I took science, and one of the girls that I had a crush on was in my class, too. Sorry, Rochelle. I that's okay. Just so you know. Um, no, but so, like, we did the whole thing with, the, you know, like, showing, like, sugar, and you stir it. Right. And we, made, we made brittle conduction. chemistry. Yeah. So, but it was, yeah, it was it was just science. It was seventh grade science. So we did biology and chemistry, and mm-hmm. you did all that different kind of stuff. Gotcha. So, um, and then, but math, math always killed me. And sometimes like language, language arts and social studies. Well, language arts has so many rules to it. Yeah. And some of the rules like are so old that they don't. Did I adequately answer your question before you interrupted me? (laughs) 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 Yes. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that no one's out there hanging like, what? I know. That's a good point. I have to think about it. Did you? What was my question? Yes. You said, you said what would young Blake say is a selective learning yes. disorder? And I was trying to explain yes. what it was. And you did. I don't think I felt like I felt like I was done yet. Oh, well, then keep going. I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. One of the things you just said, though, is that um, you gravitated towards the PE classes or the things that you know, at least kept that body movement going. And in, in my research of um, yes. exercise and brain connections, they're actually saying that if you have a lot of nervous energy, which is very common with ADHD, that hyperactive quality, physical energy, physical exercise, sorry, is one of the best ways to help calm your nerves down and uh, open up your brain so it's in receiving mode so you actually become a better student. So knowing that, I almost wish the schools would like, you know, take that into consideration i don't know how they would do that but it, for my vision down the road schools would be able to have the capacity to schedule students with neurodiversity with that in mind and put their pe classes early in the morning and you know then put the more um intellectually demanding classes after that because the, it would be an easier transition physiologically for the student Instead of being like, oh, let's do chemistry and then let's do math and let's do English and then lunch and then this and then and then I'll go run around the lap. You know, like it's, it's just not wired in a way that is. Um, I, I always ended up having PE earlier in the day when I did have it. So you got lucky. I didn't. I always had it late in the day when it was super hot. Because like I had like freshman year, I was in football. Mm-hmm. So I had weight training. Oh, okay. it was like second period. Um, math was first period though. And I got a D uh, when I had first period math analysis of functions, it was like six forty-five in the morning and I failed. So I had algebra freshman year. Okay. I had algebra sophomore year. Okay. I had algebra junior year. Oh no. Because I failed it the first year. I got a D in it the second year and then I got in like a B or something like the third year. Yeah. I think the, the more when I, my heart wishes that the education system understands some of these premises more and until the education system really catches up and integrates these things, it's up to us as parents to be advocates. But it, in order to do that, it means we need to understand the mechanics of it. Yeah. Another class I did not do well in, mm-hmm. just for anyone that cares, uh, was geology. Interesting. Yeah, geology. Oh, and 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 I had a and I had another science class. So this is so not Mr. Donaldson. This was in high school. I my dad was so that's one of the reasons like first semester or whatever it was of school, mm-hmm. I had a kid that 
threatened to kill me. Did I ever tell you this? Oh my gosh, no. And I got pulled out of school and was and forced to go in homeschool for a semester. Okay, it's starting to ring a bell, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe I told a little you about bit. This. And then, like, uh, one of the high school football coaches, like the JV coach, was my was my teacher, and he would come to my house like once a week, and we would just like go over math stuff, and then I would like walk to the school and like turn my homework in. Huh? Because yeah, this 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 like a gangbanger basically was like, I'm gonna kill you. What did why? I told my dad because I was white. Oh no. And not part of the gang. Right. Not and not like you were pretty different. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But but the reason one so one of the anyway one of the kids in that class is the reason this kid that I was on I will not name his name but he was on my football team Mm -hmm. and it was like his cousin or something was the one that if I remember properly that was like. If you ever show your face around here again, I'm going to shoot you kind of thing. That's And I told scary. my dad, and my dad was like, we're not going to mess around with that. We're going to take you out of school for the rest of the year. That's super scary. <laughs> yeah. You say it's so cavalier, but like. <laughs> it was it was scary. That's scary. And that was, you know, years ago. Now the kids all just come to school. Ugh, I can't even think. I mean, I don't. Yeah. It's Why are you hold the microphone, you weirdo? Because it hurts my neck to bend down. I don't have a stand like you. Oh. All right, let's uh, let's get a fund going here so we can get Rochelle a mic stand. <laughs> can we do? Could someone start a uh, GoFundMe? Oh my goodness! Go fund yourself. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I'm kidding. No, but seriously, that that was. I mean, that was. Pretty, okay, so let me ask you because we I asked this question earlier and we just kind of. I was, but was, the only reason I brought that up was because I was my teacher in biology class or whatever, whatever friggin' science class it was. I don't even remember that's how much. It was biology and geology, separated by many years, but very similar. Very similar projects that I needed to be a part of. And it <clears throat> goes back to that whole idea in, in the ADHD side of things of where it's like, really, this is so stupid. There's no reason that I need to do this. And what the project was in high school, freshman year, was you had to collect 100 insects, 100 separate insects, and label them by like genus, species, and all this different stuff. And the teacher graded on a curve. I collected 10. I found 10 bugs. Because I'm like not trying to be whatever a bug psychologist would be. <laughs> a bug psychologist? I'm not a bug doctor. Are you sitting right? the bugs down and asking I was trying to think of like what, an entomologist. Is that a bug? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. But, the, but anyway, so the teacher was like, okay. So like everyone, literally everyone came in and we all talked about it. And we we're all like, okay, everyone bring in like 10 bugs. Okay. Someone brought in a hundred. Damn it! Overachiever. And and he's not the one that got threatened to get killed. Yeah. Uh, and then I was in geology in college, and and it was a uh, community college by, of all things, and we had to collect a hundred different rocks. So here, this pattern comes up again. And I was like, "Fuck this class." Okay. That teacher did not grade on the curve. Do you know how much executive function you would have allowed your brain to develop if you had actually gotten closer to a hundred? I w- I, w- I collect. I think I found three rocks and was like, I think they're all the same rock. <laughs> oh gosh, minimal effort. Where are you gonna a uh, hundred a hundred rocks? But if you took the time to really explore that exercise, it's amazing what you would have found <sighs> along the way. You know what worked better? The second geology class that I took over summer school. Allowed us to watch movies about dinosaurs, which have nothing to do with geology. Okay. I got an A. Replaced my D. Okay. But you didn't learn as much from it. Oh, I learned a great lesson. Went to the wrong school the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Took the wrong teacher. Oh, my God. Should have dropped that class. The, I actually have greater respect for the teacher giving you the task of 100. Because, 100 rocks? Yes, because you don't what? know. No, Listen, no, no. What I'm going to tell you. It doesn't matter. You do not always have the ability to evaluate the learning that you think is so stupid that you're going to gain. Is there actually a need down the road for understanding and identifying 100 rocks? No. But that teacher. Thank you. That teacher isn't just trying to teach you about I hope that teacher died. No. By by thousands of rocks. Okay, but the teacher had all, every good teacher knows that with each task they're le- they're teaching more than just the task. I hope that teacher was pelted with quartz. Stop. <laughs> Stop! That teacher was also trying to teach you executive function tasks. I hope that teacher was pelted with mica. Oh my gosh! I'm just I'm gonna name a hundred rocks right now. I'm smart. 
Okay, but you didn't. I I was gonna name all three rocks I found. Which three? Quartz, mica, and sandstone. Ooh, that was rude. Was this in California? Yeah. You could have found a lot more rocks than that. You're in the desert, dude. Yeah, but you how? Do you have any idea how hard it is to find and identify a rock? Yeah. I don't have like some, what are, what's that thing the called? The insects one would have been easier. No, the bug one was hard. I, tr- I, really, I really tried too. Okay. Well, I'm a, fl- I get, okay, I, I won't say how much easier it would have been in California. I'm a here's Floridian, the thing. there's a ton it's of It's not like it, there's a shop you can go to. You got to catch these fuckers. <laughs> right. But there's a process in it. What I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm piecing You know how hard it is here? to catch a bee? Okay. We are now. Then you got to kill it. We are on now on, without smushing it. We are now on two different parts of this conversation. You got to put it in the freezer, by the way. Anyone that's trying to collect a hundred bees, you put it in the freezer and they fall asleep. I am talking about the value of the process, okay. which I think was completely. You don't got to freeze rocks. I'll give you that. Right. They're already dead. That's okay, <laughs> but you inadvertently yes, denied ma'am. yourself the value of the process, which actually would have given you. Some additional skills that you weren't necessarily learning. Did you have to do anything that stupid in high school or college? I don't know. I don't remember my high school. I had to and be. You didn't go to college. Excuse me. Uh, uh, well, okay. You didn't. You didn't take geology in college. I didn't take geology in college. Correct. Because you didn't go. That is <laughs> not true. <laughs> I may not have finished. You know what the temperature outside is. Going to be a lot colder when you go head it's first the into same that snow. <laughs> It's the same temperature as the number of degrees you have. Zero. <laughs> Why am I getting picked on? I'm not trying to pick on. No, that's a that's an Eminem joke. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Okay. I just want to throw that out there. I'm going to stop talking for a minute. <laughs> Look, I, I'm hearing the trauma of these exercises. And yes, it sounds very like, what's the word? Like futile, you know? Like, what am I going to get out of this? But... I hear this kind of stuff all the time when someone is given a task or they're given this opportunity for a learning exercise and they're pre-evaluating what they're going to get out of it. And I just think that, first of all, stop, because most of the time when we when we think we're pre-evaluating the benefit of something, all we're really doing is applying old logic to a new activity And that's not going to get us anywhere because the beauty and the opportunity to learn comes in going through the exercise and allowing your brain to interact with brand new things and create new ideas. I tried. I did. I'm not saying you didn't. I caught a big ass bumblebee. That stung little fucker stung me too. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's brave. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know how hard it is to catch a bug? I'm in. Flo- I was a Floridian. We didn't catch them. They were just around everywhere. A hundred different bugs. How the? So let's say, literally, think about it. Okay. You but- go no, but you're not. You're not understanding because I, I, your point is is futile. I think. Okay. I can't get past the fact that you agree with these teachers. How difficult it would be to go out and catch this kid. First of all, how many virginities has this guy got? Why are you judging him? Because he was a little douchebag. I remember him. But, okay, why are you going straight to, to judging him? Just because he did the assignment. Yeah, because everyone else in the class agreed we were going to catch 10. But that doesn't mean he deserves to be judged. Yes, it does, because he was a little dickhead that decided that he was going to screw the rest of us. When the If he would have brought 10 bugs, we all would have got A's. Did you talk to him about it? No. I hope he was pelted with quartz. Okay. Or mica. <laughs> Or sandstone. Okay. All right, let's talk about something else. Yeah, so I mean, I think you're answering my question because I asked you before, how do you treat yourself? And Wonderfully. It sounds like... Never better. It sounds like it can be difficult sometimes to pull yourself out of a frame of mind when you're narrowed in on the details of it and you may be absolutely correct on the details, but at the expense of the experience. And so 
because and I'm not I'm not disagreeing if the if the kid had just done everything that you guys had said and everyone brought in 10 you would have all gotten A's but but if you stay really focused on just that one detail you're missing so much more of the opportunity of that moment is what I'm saying and so then I look at the way I we, you mentioned before self-esteem you mentioned before as a kid you know even just in this episode um you know being bullied or you had your life threatened and so it's just one of the things that I'm studying a lot of in human consciousness is that we oftentimes don't pay close enough attention to the experiences that we have and to the thoughts that we have about them and how that can can really capture us between a rock and a hard place that you end up staying in for much 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 longer and that ends up clouding a lot of future um, situations events and feelings and as we talked before you know our thoughts and our feelings actually dictate the way your body works neurochemically. And this is true whether you're neurodivergent or, or not. But I believe it has an even greater impact if there's neurodivergent um, neurological conditions because you're always living in a greater state of fight or flight. Always. So then if you're adding in a dialogue where you're so focused in on this one piece of the, of the story that it's creating an anger or a frustration and that's what you continue to focus on then you're inadvertently continuing to feel that anger and frustration over and over again and what you inadvertently do at that point is you start to create anger and frustration as your baseline thoughts and feelings wasn't your question how do i treat myself yeah not how long of a sentence can rochelle talk about <laughs> sorry it's a big point to make but how do you treat your how do you treat yourself if you're unaware of the fact that you've just I already answered the question. I treat myself wonderfully. Do you? I do. Cuz you pick on me a lot. Oh no. And no. I asked you the question, if you treat me like this, how do you treat yourself before we started recording and you said worse. That's probably true. Right. <laughs> so So consider that a compliment to you. No, when I'm uh, okay, I could take it that way, but I care about you too, and so I actually look at it as a way of like how could you treat yourself better because one of the things that we have determined as parents is that the the more effort we put into building his self-esteem, the faster his development and his learning is coming. And I look at you and I think how do we do the same thing for you? Now, if you remember when this journey started for us a year ago and I started calling all these autism centers going, what supports do you have for adults? And they laughed in my face and said, adults don't change. We don't have anything unless you're 12 and under. And I hung up the phone pissed. And at the same time going, okay, I don't accept that. I understand that that may be the case right now, but that's not fair to the evolutionary capacity, especially with a neurodivergent population who has the ability to hyperfocus and can apply that superpower towards tasks and ev events and motivational things that can change that curve if you just only knew the rules. So, or the way to do it, when you said you looked at that puzzle piece and you saw oh, that's the missing puzzle piece in my life, which is not the intention of the puzzle piece by the people who made that logo. I think the same thing is true for emotion and thought. And you have the ability to turn it around and say, hey, I am who I am. And I think differently. And I may take extra time before I answer your question. And I may ask for a headline before you data dump on me. So I know what conversation we're having, but I, I love myself for all that. Taking a dump on me. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> you have just as much capacity to build a world that suits you as you do to live in the world that doesn't. So I encourage you, let's build a world for you, just even in how you treat yourself that, that better, appreciates you for who you are what is one of your best qualities according to you like what's one of the things that when you when you do and you're being you and and autistic or adhd or whatever doesn't matter but just you being you what's one of your best qualities where you're like yeah damn good i'm good when i'm being funny okay what else that's about it no there's got to be more what when else I'm, when i'm smart okay now what else i don't know i want you to really think about this what was the question again what qualities about yourself mm -hmm. 
do you really enjoy? What moments do you create where you feel really empowered and you feel like, yeah. I think I just named them all. No, I, I've lived with you for 10 years. Not anymore. Okay, fair. I've lived around you for 10 years. There are far more than that. When you're smart and when you're funny are very baseline. Okay, well then you name them. This is your self-esteem. You I keep know. building. I don't, I don't know anything else. Okay, so then there is room to improve the way you think and feel about yourself. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Perfect. You're just shutting me down? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I I accept that you're shutting me down. Is it because you're unfamiliar with the thought and the feeling that you're wonderful for who you are? Or when that kid threatened your life as and you were you were growing up how did that actually impact you and your understanding of how you fit into this world what yeah it's it's a concept but just put all the pieces together the stories you've told me today are that this how old were you 15 okay so you're a 15 year old gosh a teenager okay perfect a lot of these decisions that end up guiding our self-esteem as adults were made as teenagers so this is it's very it's very perfect this story randomly came up today how perfect was it that it happened uh now you're asking me to evaluate different things i don't know but it did happen so as a 15 year old you had to finish the rest of your school year at home because someone threatened your life and told you you weren't allowed to come back yes so Thinking about it now, how do you think that impacted your view of yourself, your self-worth, your self-esteem, your placement in this world? Well, it didn't feel great. It was more because my dad was like, we're not going to have some bully, you know, hurting my son. Okay. So he just proceeded with caution. Well, I applaud your dad. I think that's a great response. I think it's unfortunate that it had to happen. I'm very upset that it had to happen in the first place. I don't respect bullying in any way shape or form you but don't oh oh how brave no it's not brave it <laughs> should be a very typical response actually but um that had to have had a bigger impact on you than you may be recognizing yeah emotionally maybe I don't, I don't one of the things one of the themes i've heard you say over the years is that you just don't fit into the world you don't fit into the world the world isn't made for you it doesn't respect who i am okay you don't even need me right now, do you? Let you just take the podcast and run. No, I'm literally just pulling your teeth so that you can follow me on this thought. Leave my teeth alone. It is a deeply emotional thought, but I am going to pursue it because this is exactly one of those ways where in the background of how you treat yourself, you may be inadvertently replaying some of that trauma because that's what happens when we experience trauma your life was threatened yes you've also told us a story in previous episodes about you being eight years old i think it was eight and you were at a playground and the kids were playing house and they had all the the roles I, was at, assigned. I, was in, I was in daycare oh so not eight your daycare so younger no i mean no i could have been eight eight-year-olds aren't allowed to stay by themselves okay you're right i just think of daycare like Declan, but Either way, I could have been in like third or fourth grade. I don't know. You were socially rejected in that moment. And then you, you know, proceeded to have an experience afterwards where you felt very rejected and, um, you know, started. It wasn't it some sort of self-harm. I choked myself. Yeah. And then was caught by the daycare lady. Okay, thank God. Well, you can't really choke yourself to death. No, you can't. But the symbolism of the feelings you were feeling is similar. You know, I mean, you are expressing your feelings at that point. You were, and you've told me the story in the past with a lot more color. Like you were very animated and upset and angry and and at one point in tears telling me this story because it was very emotionally um, difficult as it would be for anyone, but especially someone if you if you don't have that light bulb moment of why some of these things are happening to you, you start to make assumptions as to why these things are happening to you. Right. Those assumptions that you're making live in the background of how you treat yourself. 
I'm, he's yawning. I'm putting him to sleep. But I'm hungry. Okay. These are difficult conversations to have. I know that it's not something that is out there a lot, but but when we're working through the concept of fitting into a world that doesn't accept you because of a lack of awareness and understanding, which we, we all agree has been the case for many decades and is just now starting to turn a corner and still has a long way to go. It starts with the biggest difference you can make has to start with the way that you think about yourself. So I ask you again, what qualities and traits do you like about yourself the most? I told you. Smart and funny. Yes. That's it? That's it. What else do I need to like? So you only feel good about yourself from a self-esteem standpoint when you think you're being smarter or you think you're being funny. Probably. So by your own standards, if you don't feel funny or you don't feel smart in that moment, it means you're not thinking good about yourself? Probably. So what you've set up is a very, very sharp, tall mountain with a very tiny little place to stand. Nope, I just always have to be funny. And you can fall off of it very fast. I mean, you need a, you need a much, you need a bigger platform. You need to give yourself a lot more space where you feel good about yourself without you being smart and funny. What would it take for you to do that? I have no idea. Well, good. Then there's some homework for you. You get a chance to think about that. Great. I just want to know because, you know, I think that um, not just as individuals, but as parents, you know, the more we can understand that the power of our feelings, I think the better our experiences can be. So I share that with you. Um, didn't you say you had some um, updates like you wanted to do a segment called the Pop Minute? I did. So um, I had this idea the other day that we would do like literally 60 seconds-ish. No, let's say literally 60 seconds and let's see if I can fit it in for uh, pop culture and news. So it'd be the pop minute and then followed directly behind that would be the news minute. So I'm going to go ahead and start with pop minute and go. Um, one of the things uh, I just, what did I, uh, oh no. Time is running out. The new Scream is coming out, everyone. How exciting is that? Okay, Scream 5. Um, it's actually getting good reviews, so that's kind of exciting. Um, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, movies that are popular right now, Don't Look Up. Uh, it's actually, have you seen that one, Rochelle? No, but I thought you did. I did. I did watch it. It was okay. I think that the reviews that it got were pretty harsh, considering it's like 55% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. But I thought that the movie was decent, and it was a little preachy, but it was decent. Okay. Um, Matrix Resurrections is another one that just came out, and I saw that. What a pile of crap that movie was. Really? I definitely don't recommend watching it, <laughs> even if you're a fan of the movie. Okay. Um, Power of the Dog is another one that I started watching. It is a snooze fest, but it's, it's sort of like Shakespeare in Love or uh, what's that other movie? I can't think of the name of it. Damn it. Um, there's some other movie. Oh shoot, we're past sixty seconds. Okay, time to talk about news. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of losses in the news oh, we, recently. That's maybe that's what we should talk about as far as news. Yeah, we had we lost Betty White. Yep. We lost uh, Sidney Poitier. Yep. And then Bob and, Saget. And we lost Bob Saget. Yep. Who? That's the one that to me was the saddest, just because he was younger. He was young. He was he was really sixty five. Yeah, very young. And they still don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds like it was a like a stroke or a heart attack. Which is now they're saying Betty White died. She had a stroke a few yeah, days. Yeah, but she later. was ninety nine. I know. No, not a few days later, but a few days before. That's what I meant. She a few passed days away before. first. Yeah. yeah. No, no, she. Passed but he's been all over the news. Well, I think, like you said, he was younger, and it was um, a bigger surprise, just a big shock. And he d he did a show the night before. He so did. There's a lot. Well, of, when you, you know, say a show, you mean he was doing stand up. He was doing stand-up, you know, down in Florida. That's where he was yep. found. So Okay, and that's been the Pop Minute and News Minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> minute goes by fast when you minute do it that way. Minute goes really fast. Well, so that's an interesting thing because in, in the News Minute segment, it brings up, um, that's a lot of, at least for the United States, that's a lot of, well, I don't know. I mean, Sydney Post, you're talking about three well-known actors. Yeah. So that could be 
you know, that could impact the globe in different ways just because their their work was around the globe. Um, well, Sidney Poitier was the first, like, black movie star. So it was a big deal. Oh, he's a big... And he the, his presence, I understand, like, he... I don't... You know, obviously, I never met any of them, but but my understanding from people who did work with them is that at least all three of them just had this presence about them that was grounding and and holistic to be around, you know, and Sidney Poitier... Did I say that right? I don't know. I don't know. He really did. did. I've never heard someone say Sidney Poitier. It's Sidney Poitier. Okay. Well, like you said, they were groundbreakers. Betty White. Yeah, but him more so than the other two. I I agree. Far more. Far more. Far more. And I think that, you know, but anyway, so yeah, he, he's not, he's, Sidney Poitier is not someone that I, like, I didn't follow his career because obviously he's much older than me. Right. So he's someone that, you know. Uh, I mean, they're all much older than me, but I think I, I probably more than anyone else followed Bob Saget because of my my interest in comedy. Well, and just the time frame of when we grew up and Full House being on the air. Right. Yeah, because Sidney Poitier was already kind of not like, not that he, he was already an icon at right. that point. Like Bob Saget's not, I wouldn't call him an icon. Not necessarily. Way, no. But no, not in the same way. But I'm saying, like, I wouldn't say that Bob Saget like had icon status. Like Betty White right. is an icon. Sidney Poitier was Absolutely. definitely an icon. But Bob Saget role. was just like a cemented figure in the comedy community. I would say that's fair. And a lot of people love and respect him and the work that he did and his kind of stand up and and all that stuff. Because right. I mean, he was most famous for being on Full House and America's Funny Some America's Videos. Funny Some Videos, yeah. which is funny because. He was so not funny on that show. Mm-hmm. And he even said, like he says in his stand-up, like how he's like, sorry. <laughs> that is, Because that is, the, they're just like would stay up watching these videos and writing jokes about them. Oh, wow. And they were just like super cheesy jokes. But he's like, because they had to be family-friendly jokes. Oh, I see. And then you would see his stand-up and he was just dropping F-bombs. And, you know, if you ever, if you want to, if you, if you just... As an aside, if you are interested in anything that Bob Saget's ever done, you should watch The Aristocrats, which is a great comedy documentary. It's it's all these different comedians, including Bob Saget, doing the same joke over and over again for an entire movie. But it's every single person tells the joke so differently mm-hmm. that it's it works for the entire movie. And it's like Bob Saget's in it, um, Gilbert Gottfried... Uh, Drew Carey. Um, it's produced by Penn and Teller, I think, or oh, wow. or Penn Gillette, maybe just was the producer. Okay. But anyway, no. If if you're interested in anything that has to do with Bob Saget, I highly recommend watching The Aristocrats. It's not like it's the best documentary I've ever seen, but it's for comedians or anyone that just likes comedy. It's it's really interesting because you're literally watching all these different people say the same joke over and over again, and you're like watching it the entire hmm. hour and a half or however long the movie is. That is really interesting, actually. Because yeah. it's it's such a the punchline is the same, but the joke itself is not. The so, joke can be anything. Okay. Well, within certain, I'm not going to spoil it because, but the whole idea is this family goes to, um, a talent agency, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, what's your act?" And then you say the most vile and disgusting and crazy things that you can think of, and at the end you say, "Spoiler alert, what's the name of your act?" You go, we're the aristocrats. And that's the joke. And again, you have to watch the movie for it to make sense. I'm going to have to because that didn't yeah. make any sense to me. But um, Perfect. Well, I nailed it. But that's okay. I trust you. I totally nailed it. Well, I, was, well, I was trying to keep, I mean, as much as this is a podcast where we do use some choice language, sure. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that we're vulgar on here no i wouldn't either even though i did say let's grab each other's penises in the last episode you did but that was clearly a joke because i it was clearly a joke and it was funny okay well but you did bring up three different events that have hit the news that have all that will all trigger grief in different ways right and grief is one of those things that i I know we won't get into it very deep on this episode just based on time but i do just want to put it out there this week because there is so much happening and um there's uh, unions going on strike. Like there's very volatile things that are happening and whatnot. People are dying and this and that. So grief is one of those things we should talk to from an autism perspective because there's not a lot of help out there. And um, an autistic 
individual is going to process grief very differently than a neurotypical and most often differently than what you've seen in these movies. So I'll just say really briefly that the grief process is a unique process for each person. There are five stages of it, but how you process each of those five stages is not written in stone. There is no manual. There's no, you have to do it this way. It's based on processing feelings. And if you're not a crier or these, you know, the loss of different people or some of these changes in society that trigger grief, if it's not something that's deeply emotional to you, you're not obligated to cry. Like, that's not how everyone processes their feelings. And so um, just know that, you know, but I do encourage you during this time where things are starting to change already and people are starting big names and icons are starting to pass, which is very sad and it will change our culture. Just take note of how you do feel and know that however you feel is okay. But the more you can be aware of how you do feel the more empowered you will be to understand your whole experience. Well said. And I encourage you to do it too. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, okay. Because you only gave yourself that really tip top of the mountain. You know, you gave yourself smart and funny. And, uh, and I think that as you explore your feelings, you'll notice that your feelings are actually far more expansive than that. Okay. But you may not, they may not come readily to the surface because you're not really used to paying attention to them and bringing them up there. And I think, you're doing yourself a disservice a little bit because you're you're a much bigger person with a lot more feelings than you give yourself credit for and it would be a little easier to navigate all of this if if you were able to connect to those so um you know whether you're not you connect to the world outside of you and you fit into that world outside of you i care less about because that world is clearly changing and going to continue to do so a lot this year i care more about connecting to yourself that's where the real power is in, in feeling loved and accepted is just start with recognizing your own feelings. I'm doing my best for show. Well, Declan's an excellent teacher. Is he? He is actually. All right. He is. And I think that as parents, um, those of us that have the opportunity to raise children, the more we spend just connecting to our children, the easier it will be to connect to our own feelings. And you know, this is true if you're uh, a parent of, of fur babies, you know, animals, or if you're an aunt or an uncle or um, whatever it is that you connect to, just explore the connections and those feelings there. And it may just, it may be your special interest also. It doesn't have to be necessarily another person, but, but let's just explore the feelings we feel when we feel connected. Is that easy? Can you, that, that sound fair? Yes. Okay. Because, you know, I, I was really, shocked i think taken back when i heard of both betty white and sydney poitier because you said his name different every time i don't know how to say it sydney poitier okay what he said there you go. <laughs> because a lot of times when change happens it's shocking because it's change you're not thinking that it's going to come and the loss of both of those was that way and bob saget even more so yeah so i think the biggest part of managing change is knowing that it's unexpected and it's the unexpected part that is th also shocking. And yep. just knowing that's like, wow, that was unexpected. And letting that be its own feeling in its own moment. And then moving on to the next moment and the next feeling. So these are important skills. I know it sounds like I'm a little off track, but I'm not. I'm just a little ahead. But I, I do believe that with all neurodiversities, autism, ADHD, depression, um, ADD, it, there's no lack of feeling. And there's no lack of emotion. Um, but maybe if there's a place where we could improve how we handle these feelings, it's just connecting to them in a different way. And then the more we connect to them, the easier they'll be to communicate. And the easier we can communicate them, the easier they are to process. So. Fair enough. Thank you. Now yeah. I want to go watch that movie, though. Which one? The one you just talked about, The Aristocrats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, now I want to go watch I think it. I have it on DVD. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, we got time before the baby wakes up. I'm, you're gonna I'm, watch the Aristocrats? I don't know. It kind of sparked my interest. Okay. Well, it sounds interesting to watch. We're gonna go watch the Aristocrats. The rest of you can take in a big, fat Aristocrat. <laughs> don't do that. Be nice. What? Be nice. Why do you have to end it that way? I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, don't take an Aristocrat. No, don't. Take an Arista. Uh, something else. Something that's funny. Damn it! I can't do it, Rochelle. <laughs>
I can't think of anything that rhymes with aristocrat. I can't either. Um, all right. Well, I think that uh, calls it for today, uh, unless you have anything else. No, I just really wanted to make those points about autism. Okay. Well, forgive me. Well, actually, don't forgive me because it's so great anyway, right? Um, I have uh, computer issues, and so I had to make this week's song on my phone and through an app that i i mean it's all original music it's not I mean, like honestly, it's, if it's you not through loops. Said that i don't think anyone would know it's, well, it's really I, I wanted to i wanted to preface it because it because i'm it's not my best work but you're gonna listen to it anyway here it is <laughs> i think it's good uh, yeah well okay so uh thank you i appreciate that um uh hopefully my computer will be working well hopefully i can get this episode up that's it's going to be interesting to see how that 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 goes but uh we will be back this is episode 23 and uh i'm blake and i'm michelle and like i said we'll be back see you next time Thank you.